Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, we obviously discuss what Scripture says about creation on the Scripture on Creation program. But we also (laughs) consider what the theory of evolution says about creation. Well, let me correct that. What evolution says about the origin of things. Mm -hmm. And in today's program, you want to discuss some evolutionary claims. Yes, Scott. And in particular, Darwinian claims. That is, claims related to how living organisms have evolved from simple into complex life forms. It's important to understand the term evolution is used to explain all kinds of phenomena in nature, you know, from the beginning of the universe to where the birds and the bees came from. But Darwinian evolution relates only to the evolution of living things. And that's because the foundational concept of Darwinian evolution is the role natural selection plays in the evolution of existing species, in other words, living things, into new and different species. And you have pointed out in numerous programs that natural selection only applies to pre-existing life, meaning that spontaneous generation cannot be explained by natural selection. That's right. The quote-unquote evolution of molecules is not driven by natural selection. But what is now being realized by growing numbers of evolutionists is natural selection not only doesn't drive molecular evolution, it doesn't drive macroevolution either. Maybe you should explain what you mean by macroevolution. Okay, that's a good point. Darwinian evolution is a process composed of two parts. The first is microevolution. I think you often refer to that as adaptation of the kinds. Right. Adaptation of the kinds, or microevolution, for those who want to get the term evolution in there, is something accepted by every scientist I know of, evolutionist or creationist. Microevolution describes the small changes in a population of organisms over time as the individuals adapt to changing environments or to survival pressures. As creationists, we recognize that the ability to adapt, not just behaviorally, But physically, to changing environments is crucial for the survival of a kind. And we submit that ability is one of the wonderful characteristics God created in the genetic information of the kinds. Thus, from within a created kind, numerous, what we would identify as different species, could arise. But size and color and some variation in shape or ability does not amount to the other kind of evolution called macroevolution. Macroevolution describes large changes in the genetic makeup of a population of organisms that results in major physiological differences in the individuals of the current population from their ancestral population. An example would be birds evolving from dinosaurs, as evolutionists insist happened. Yeah, like feathers from scales, wings from arms, and a completely reorganized respiratory system. Mm. Those are macroevolutionary changes, and such physical changes require the addition of large amounts of genetic information. And it is just that requirement that has many evolutionists doubting Darwinian, or to be more specific, neo-Darwinian evolution's ability to accomplish those changes. Dr. Scripture, I'd again like to suggest that you explain one of your terms. It sounds like you've made a distinction between Darwinian and Neo-Darwinian evolution. Is there a difference? 
Well, definitely, Scott. Back when Darwin proposed the theory of evolution by natural selection over 150 years ago, the role of DNA in the production of proteins and thus the structure and function of proteins in the physical features of organisms was unknown. When it was discovered then that it was changes, that mutations in the DNA were ultimately responsible for the physiological changes in living organisms, the term Darwinian evolution needed to be updated, and the term neo-Darwinian evolution was adopted. Ah, so the theory of evolution is evolving. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that seems appropriate, although ironic, given the ridicule evolutionists always seem to hurl at anyone questioning the current claims of their theory. How dare you suggest we need to change something we've said? Yeah, it's ironic. And frankly, quite the antithesis of what the pursuit of science is supposed to be entailing. But when there are rumblings from within the ranks, it seems sometimes there are those who are willing to listen. And so, as we mentioned at the top of the program, there are growing numbers of evolutionists questioning the ability of natural selection to produce macro evolution. And it's funny you should say the theory of evolution has evolved, Scott, Mm. because what I want to do now is share a very informative article describing what we're talking about. And its title is, Neo-Darwinism Must Mutate to Survive. (laughs) Now, this peer-reviewed paper was published late in 2022 in the ELS Evier Journal, Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology. And on March 15th, 2023, on the org website, Casey Luskin reviewed the paper. And again, that's evolutionnews.org on March 15th, 2023. Now, evolutionnews.org is an online science news source published by the Discovery Institute. And the Discovery Institute is an organization that proposes intelligent design, right? Correct. They continually present arguments and research that either support intelligent design theory or demonstrate the flaws in evolution theory. And Casey Luskin's review summarizes the article, Neo-Darwinism Must Mutate to Survive, which is a paper openly criticizing neo-Darwinism, and it's published in what we would call the evolutionary literature. So I'm going to read several excerpts from the Evolution News article, as well as quotes from the Ells Evier paper, Neo-Darwinism Must Mutate to Survive. The paper's abstract opens with these observations. Quote, Darwinian evolution is a 19th century descriptive concept that itself has evolved. Selection by survival of the fist was a captivating idea. Microevolution was biologically and empirically verified by discovery of mutations. But there has been limited progress to the modern synthesis. The central focus of this paper is to provide evidence to document that selection based on survival of the fittest is insufficient for other than microevolution. So if I can summarize what they just said, they're going to provide evidence that natural selection cannot produce macroevolution. <laughs> that's pretty much it. And these are evolutionists saying this. Yeah, that's right. The authors, Olin R. Brown and David A. Hollander, present conclusions based on their calculations, showing that the likelihood of microevolutionary processes adding up to macroevolutionary changes is highly implausible. Quote, 
realistic probability calculations based on probabilities associated with microevolution are presented. However, macroevolution required for all speciation events and the complexifications appearing in the Cambrian explosion is shown to be probabilistically highly implausible on the order of 10 to the 50th power. Wow. When based on selection by survival of the fittest, we conclude that macroevolution via survival of the fittest is not salvageable by arguments for random genetic drift or other proposed mechanisms. We are critical of the position that macroevolution is sufficiently explained by the processes useful for microevolution, in particular, that mutations and survival of the fittest are adequate to the task. Microevolution does not explain speciation, only smaller changes, unquote. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but my understanding is 10 to the 40th power is essentially a number that means infinitely impossible. So what can 10 to the 50th power even mean? It means to propose something, anything that would require that kind of probability is unreasonable. It's not scientific. But let's keep reading Luskin's assessment of Brown and Hollander's paper. He points out they clearly share a critical perspective on neo-Darwinism that is similar to that of the intelligent design community and urges us to consider this striking passage from their paper. Quote, survival of the fittest is adequate to select for such changes or gains which occur within one genome primarily by single fixed mutations. Macroevolution, however, requires major changes necessitating multiple changes that logically most frequently occur in multiple genomes. Therefore, the concept survival of the fittest is inadequate to conserve individual changes in multiple genomes where the individual changes generate no increased fitness. Thus, survival of the fittest is illogical when proposed as being adequate for selecting the origination of all complex major new body types and metabolic functions because the multiple changes in multiple genomes that are required have intermediate stages without advantage. Selection would not reasonably occur, and disadvantage or death would logically prevail. Dr. Scripture, these are not new or unique ideas. They're simply articulating the logic creationists or intelligent design proponents have been saying all along. You're right. The only remarkable thing about what they're saying is that they are evolutionists. Am I wrong about that? You're absolutely right on, Scott. Basically, what they're describing is the irreducible complexity argument, but from the genetic code perspective. The idea that all mutations required to produce all the new proteins could all randomly occur so that new complex structures were in place to afford some new survival benefit is impossible. And if only part of the system is in place, it not only wouldn't be advantageous, it would be lethal. So here's then one more excerpt from the paper, quote, it is our perspective that the burden is too great for survival of the fittest to select evolutionary changes that accomplish all evolutionary novelty. Thus, evolution lacks a sufficient mechanism for multifactorial selections because a process that looks forward is non-random, deterministic, or occurs by an unknown biological process is required. The position of mainstream biologists regarding this aspect of evolution is that nature is always non-purposeful, 
and therefore the proposed selection process force or tendency could not possibly be natural. However, our perspective is that this is a supposition of necessity rather than an established principle. Logic demands that it be open to investigation. This first requires an openness to ideas, and science must be open to new ideas, unquote. What a novel thought. But, you know, we've noticed that evolution isn't open to new ideas. It's a closed system. So anyway, that is an amazing call to the evolutionary scientific community to reevaluate the main, the only mechanism the theory of evolution proposes for evolution to occur. It doesn't mean that they're calling for evolutionists to embrace creation or even intelligent design, but it does indicate that the level of knowledge we now have concerning the complexity of living organisms is exposing the inadequacy of random mutation and blind natural selection to explain it. And to quote Darwin's own words in On the Origin of Species, he said, If it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed, which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down, but I can find out no such case. (laughs) Well, that was back in the day when people also used the term the simple cell. They had no idea. Nope. Much more reasonable is the claim in Genesis 1.11, then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them on the earth, and it was so. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says.